Welcome to another episode of Forever White Belt. I'm your host, Adolfo Fronda. If you've come across stunning jujitsu photos online, there's a good chance they've been captured by the talented 50-year-old purple belt photographer, John Cho. Hailing from Six Blades Nova in Virginia, John trains under the guidance of black belts Emil Takayuchi and Peter Gianetti. John's lens has immortalized moments from both the grand stages of professional circuits and the heart-pounding arenas of amateur tournaments. Beyond his impressive photography skills, John is an enthusiastic cross-trainer, having explored numerous renowned academies across the country. His journey extends beyond borders, attending seminars and jiu-jitsu camps worldwide. With unparalleled experience, John enjoys front-row access to the action, enabling him to freeze-frame those incredible moments in his photographs. In this episode, we have the privilege of diving into John Cho's journey and insights. Without further ado, Let's welcome the man behind the lens, John Cho. John, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm a fan. I've been following your Instagram for a while. If you guys don't know, John is an incredible photographer of jujitsu and I'm sure other things, but this is what I'm the context that I'm aware of. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm sort of an older jujitsu practitioner. I'm 50. I just turned 51 years old. Started off pretty late. Started at 46. I was born and raised here in the Virginia area. Are you currently training at the uh, Six Blades No? in Virginia? Yes. Okay. Yep. You are a purple belt, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm a purple belt. The black belts you're under, is it Emil and Peter? Yeah, I train under Emil Takeuchi, who received his black belt from Salo Havero, and Pete Gianetti, who received his black belt from Shanji. So we have a pretty uh, cool lineage. John, can you tell us about, number one, probably everyone that are familiar with you are probably familiar with your photography. Can you go into that journey a bit? Yeah, so I got into photography, I would say about seven or eight, eight years ago. And I'll be honest, I bought a camera so I could take photos of my kids. That's it. <laughs> yeah, just like every, every parent, they want to have nice, nice photos of their kids and sort of a common story for people getting into photography. You go out to Best Buy, you spend $600 on the cheapest Canon photo that comes with a removable lens, and then you start working it from there. Um, however, over time, I started just taking pictures of everything, whatever's in the backyard, whatever's in the nearest park. You know, I started taking photos of just random things. And over time, I sort of developed my skills. And one summer, I got so serious about it that I went out and shot photos for 90 days straight. So I went out and took photos. I literally went out to practice. Three months straight. Wow. Yeah, every day for 90 days. Holy cow. Like, even if I didn't feel like it, I would just force myself to go out. Uh, maybe I go and take some uh, street photography one day. Um, I might go out into a park and see if I can get some cool photos of some animals or wildlife, nature, landscapes. Started getting into doing like some portrait photography as well as like family photos and things like that. When did you start deciding the transition of photography? in jiu-jitsu? Did that start at your own academy or how did this begin? As soon as I started doing jiu-jitsu, I had already been doing photography for three or so years. Naturally, you're getting beat up as a white belt all the time. So, you know, you can't really train as much as you want to. So, you know, some days I'll just be too sore to train. So I would just bring my camera and take photos of uh, the class. And that's kind of where my two hobbies melded together. 
it's amazing because I've seen not only your travels, but also like the competitions that you've shot, the access it gives you that the camera gives you in terms of uh, proximity to individuals, the transition of photography in competition and the access it's given you. I was never really a sports photographer. I just sort of developed those skills from practicing in our academy. And, you know, maybe sometimes I would go to a camp and take photos at a camp. You know, I've been to a lot of Globetrotters camps. Also visiting other gyms, open mats, things like that. But in terms of photographing the competition scene, I'll be honest, I'm not really sure how I got into it. I, I guess I started shooting at like a lot of the local comps. Grappling Industries, Fuji, there's a few other local ones that are smaller that may not be generally nationwide known. There's uh, one that's based out of Virginia called the Copa. You know, I would go there and just shoot from behind the barrier and try to get some cool action shots. I never intended it to blow up into some this Instagram stuff and people paying me to take their photos and things like that. That wasn't my intention at all. Just a reminder to please give us a five-star review on Apple Music and Spotify and become a VIP member for only 99 cents a month. Get ad-free episodes at anchor.fm forward slash forever white belt forward slash subscribe and check us out on Instagram at forever white belt show. Go buy your forever white belt swag at teespring, T-E-E spring.com forward slash forever dash white dash belt. Check us out on YouTube now at forever white belt. Finally, if you ever get to beautiful Northern California, please come roll with us at North Bay Jiu-Jitsu in Marin County, just north of San Francisco. There are amazing instructors and everyone there are great people. Mention the podcast and get two weeks free. I would imagine the movement shots would have been like super challenging, the dynamicness of, of Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, I think the more that you train and the more skill and knowledge that you have, the easier it is to photograph jujitsu because, you know, you can sort of anticipate, oh, this guy's about to get armbar. My camera's ready for this. For me, those are the money shots or some sort of crazy action or scramble or, you know, things like that. It would probably be difficult for a sports photographer that does not train to be able to take jujitsu photos. I'm guessing it's possible. These pro sports photographers are amazing, right? But as a practitioner, I think I have a, a pretty good eye and also anticipation of what's about to happen or what is happening. Yeah, context is so important. You've mentioned camps and traveling. What has that been like for you? Because I know one of the interesting series that I saw you photograph, among many, was the Daisy Fresh traveling that, that you did. In terms of the Daisy Fresh camps, somebody from our academy said, hey, Daisy Fresh is coming to town. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah. We met all of the guys. We trained for, I think it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Their camps are like two or three days long. There's at least like five or six sessions. They don't really call it a seminar. They call it a camp. Um, so you get a ton of training, a ton of instruction. You get to hang out with the guys. And, you know, that's how I became friends with them. They're just so friendly that literally if you meet them once, you're now their friend. I had the opportunity to go and visit their HQ, which is in Mount Vernon, Illinois. And I just happened to schedule it on a 4th of July weekend. And now I've, it's sort of a tradition. I've been doing it uh, every 4th of July for three years in a row now. I mean, we're just going to keep going. 
Did you have any hesitation being a middle-aged grappler thinking, I'm going to go to Daisy Fresh? Oh, I got my ass kicked. I mean, my very first role with one of their white belts, I got flying armbar. And this was at their old gym. If you have watched their series on flow grappling or on YouTube, um, this was their old dingy, crappy gym, which I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these guys train so hard and, you know, it's pretty obvious when you watch uh, the documentary series. But at the same time, like as people, they're just like the nicest people ever. They're just so friendly and help each other out and they have each other's backs. I mean, they're literally brothers and sisters. That's what attracts everybody to, to the series, right? Right. I'm, I'm just curious, like, what do you as a, you know, because I can, I can empathize as a, we're middle-aged guys, right? Like <laughs> thinking I'm walking into this, the shark pit. Are you just like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be awesome. I mean, we have to think about things like recovery and when we get hurt, injured, it's, it can be a little more substantial than, you know, someone who's 20. Yeah. I mean, we're perpetually sore, right? <laughs> you just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, these guys are roll hard, but they're not like trying to like intentionally hurt you. Everybody respects a tap or they should. I guess I didn't really hesitate. I mean, I knew that it was going to be a tough room. These guys are professionals. That All they do is train jujitsu. But I wanted to experience that in their environment. Tell me about your trip to Costa Rica and meeting the Silver Fox. That's a mutual friend of ours. I had actually met Silver Fox prior to the Costa Rica camp. Almost a year ago, I competed at IBJJF New Haven Open. And um, on the way back from there, I decided to stop off in uh, Silverbrook, New Jersey. And Saddlebrook, right? Is it called Saddlebrook? Yeah, Saddlebrook. And also for context for people, a Silver Fox is Carl Prevec. I've been following him on YouTube for a while. And I looked up to him because this guy is a killer, but he's like our age. I mean, nobody really knows how old the Silver Fox is. I looked up to him as I want to be like him one day. I wanted to be able to handle these young, athletic, talented young bucks and uh, be able to like, you know, hold my own. On the way back from the New Haven Open, I decided to stop and visit his academy. I stayed in town for a couple of days and trained at his academy, attended a few classes, met Carl, and he's just an amazing guy. He's just incredibly knowledgeable, super friendly, super welcoming, and his uh, technique is amazing. How was the Costa Rica camp that you went to of his? I loved it. In fact, I just made a deposit on the next one, which is in February. Typically, anybody that goes to one is definitely signing up for the next one because it's just super fun. We're at a resort, like out in the middle of nowhere, pretty much in the jungle. Tamarinda, I think it's called or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, the resort is primarily a yoga facility. It's amazing. All of the food is provided for you. We're training twice a day, every day. We take beach trips. We can take the bikes and go exploring. It's just an amazing time. I'm curious about how you discovered the Globetrotters organization and the camps that you've been to and your experiences with that. I can't remember how I stumbled across the Globetrotters. I'm guessing it was either on like Facebook or Instagram maybe and saw these camps and was like, wow, this looks fun. So A, I'm up for traveling. B, I'm up for jujitsu. 
And I think the first one I went to was the Arizona camp in like 2021. And I've been to a few others since then. I've been to the Caribbean camp, which was awesome. Another amazing camp. So everyone should be aware too, all the things that we're discussing here, John has incredible photography photos of all the things that we're discussing. And I highly encourage you to check out his IG. I'm just going to keep talking about this is at JITZPIX. That's J-I-T-Z-P-I-X. If you want to follow along, if you're listening or you're watching, uh, definitely stumble upon there. John, also, what is your go-to like technique or at this point in jiu-jitsu? You know, what is your, if you call it A game, if we can have an A game, but what, what do you tend to, you know, go to? Wow. I guess in the gi, uh, I play a lot of collar sleeve, lasso, spider, in competition, though, I tend to try to suck people in the close guard and then uh, start attacking from there. Probably my best move is the triangle. I have kind of longer legs. My legs are way stronger than my upper body. I'm not on the steroids yet, so my arms are like pretty skinny, and but my legs are very strong and fairly long. So I tend to use consider my legs as an asset. So if I can sub you with my legs, then... That's what I'm going to try to do. In terms of your learning, are you note-taking? Are you studying lots of instructionals in addition to your coaches? Or what are you doing? Yeah, I'm not a big note guy. I don't think I've ever written anything down in terms of jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, but it didn't stick, you know? Yeah. For the first couple of years, obviously, you're, you don't know anything. So you're learning a lot from your instructors. I mean, at some point, as you advance, you kind of have to take control of your own learning. Yes, I do work through instructionals. I have some mats in the garage. Sometimes I'll have friends come over and we'll just start chunking through sections of instructions. I'm trying to get more into Nogi and uh, the leg lock game. So we've been working a lot of leg locks. Heel hooks, toe holds, knee bars, things like that. And I have to say, learning-wise, the thing that I found that helps with my advancement is competing and also cross-training. Not only have I trained at a ton of different camps, but I've also visited tons of gyms. So you get to see a lot of techniques or styles and things like that that you may not see in your home academy. Competing as well. Like, you know, one time I uh, went up against this, this guy and I put him in my clothes guard and he just literally smashed right through my clothes guard. And I was like, what the hell just happened? And later I went back to, I went on YouTube to try to figure out what this guy did to me. And I discovered that he was doing the Sao Paulo pass. Well, nobody does that in our academy. Like, I couldn't believe that this guy just smashed, literally just smashed right through my clothes guard. And I was like, I have to figure out how to stop this. Once you learn how the actual pass works, then you can start troubleshooting and try to figure out how to prevent this or defend against it. And ironically, I had a match with that same exact guy at another grappling industries. I put him in clothes guard and he tried to do the same thing to me and I was able to defend it. So... <laughs> And I want to congratulate you, number one, on your uh, gold medal at Masters 5 Light Division. Was that the St. Louis Open? Yeah. And then second place at Pans. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. And then in addition to that and the importance of competition to you, and what I've found, it's hard to find guys our age and our weight, if you're a little lighter, I'm more of a medium guy, to compete against even. You know, we don't have the most stacked divisions, and that's super challenging. So I think it's great that you're traveling. Have you been running into that as well? 
Oh, yeah. Even at Blue Belt, it was hard to find matches. A lot of the times I was going against like 30-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. Um, or super know, heavy I mean, people, right? I made that mistake. That's why I say that. I would not advise that. I'm not big on uh, competing in the absolutes or open classes. Yeah, I would prefer if I had a if I had to choose, I would prefer to go against younger guys that are the same weight or around the same weight than guys that are my age but have like 20, 30 pounds on. I can kind of handle the younger. Guy. <laughs> but once there's like a 40 pound gap, you know, that's when things start to get really difficult. So then have you found out some of these local competitions that it's hard to find guys to compete against in numbers? I have the most success in IBJJFs because um, especially like the larger ones, uh, American Nationals, International Masters, Masters Worlds, there's I think 18 guys in, in our bracket. But occasionally you find folks um, in some of the local tournaments. I'm actually competing on Saturday at a Grappling Industries. I signed up because I saw a couple guys our age. If I see somebody in our bracket, I'm signing up. So has that always been a big emphasis for you, competing? Were you like, I want to compete a bunch? No, when I started jujitsu, I had no knowledge or thoughts about even competing. And I think I had been training for a couple of months, and a few of my teammates were signed up for the IBJJF DC Open. So I went went to go and check it out, and I was like, wow, this looks cool. So I ended up signing up for like the next comp. And of course, your first competition is like pretty crazy, and uh, you're just full of adrenaline. And you know, I had tunnel vision and ended up getting triangled my first match, and then uh, against the second guy. I got mounted and I panic tapped to the guy like putting his forearm in my neck. It's typical early white belt stuff on my Instagram. I got one back on the guy that beat me at white belt and triangled me. I saw this guy had signed up for a PBJJF and I was like, man, that guy's name looks really familiar. And then uh, I went back and looked it up and that was the guy that beat me in my very first match of competing ever. And we got to run it back at uh, PBJJF and I was able to beat him uh, two out of three. Experience pure, refreshing hydration with Jelly Jitsu's Jitsu Journeyer. Not just an ordinary water bottle, but a promise of peak performance on and off the mat with ceramic insulation. You see that white in there? That's uh, the ceramic. It's awesome. It makes whatever you uh, have in there taste like what it should. No weird metallic taste. With the ceramic insulation, you can enjoy clean sips that stay cold for 24 hours or hot for 12. Elevate your training sessions and reward yourself with a special 10% discount at jellyjitsu.com forward slash 10 jellyjitsu.com forward slash 10 your body at its best with jelly jitsu do you study opponents not really generally that's gonna give you more anxiety than it's going to help you i mean i'm not gonna lie i i have gone on flow grappling and looked up some of my guys in some of the ibjjf tournaments but for a local tournament who cares i just show up and try my best if you lose, you lose. Um, nobody really cares at all. And to be honest, like winning is awesome. That's probably one of the reasons I, I compete because getting your hand raised is just such a great feeling. But I'm very certain that I have a losing record in competition. So I'm not that great of a competitor. But I get out there and try. And if I lose, I'll go back and try to fix some of the mistakes 
that I made. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about in terms of improving and how I feel that competing helps you is that when you lose, now you know what kind of holes you have in your game and you can go back and start to work on them in the gym and then try again at the next tournament. I'm seeing like this pattern of you just sort of trudging ahead with like whatever, you know, and I'm not sensing hesitation or questioning or self-doubt a whole bunch like I'm, I'm going to go to Daisy Fresh and, and just go in and if I might get blast doubled, but whatever. They're not there to hurt me. I'm going to go into these competitions. I'm going to go to Masters. I'm going to go to Pans and I'm going to compete. And you're just sort of chunking away forward, forward, just chipping away. You know, it, it doesn't, I don't get a sense of this, this hesitation or this fear or this second guessing that I hear people. No, you just, you just got to keep going. And I'll be honest, I think part of it is our age. Now we know we're not immortal. When you're in your 20s, like, you don't think about dying. <laughs> or Life is, like, getting short. Yeah, so, we're on the back nine, as they say. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> if you want to look at it in a negative way, like, you might think of it like a midlife crisis. Right? Yeah, I hate that term. Some guys are going out there buying, like, the most expensive fancy car. I want to experience jujitsu. I want to go everywhere. I want to photograph everything. I want to meet meet new people, train in new places, train under legends. So no, I don't really hesitate. If my schedule allows for it and I have the PTO, then I'm going to take the time off and we're going to make this happen. Gee or no gee for you or both? When I started, I was doing strictly gee all through white belt and through the beginning of blue belt. And it was only when I was um, probably like mid blue belt is when I started doing more no gee. Right now, I'm probably about 50-50. I like both of them. Although my fingers are getting pretty trash so from like spider grips and things like that. So I've kind of modifying my grips in the gee and using sort of more like no gee type grips. Yeah, no gee is so fun now. People try to hype it as like a young man's game or young person's game, but yeah, I, I find it to be, I'm, I'm having so much more fun with it now. No, I love it. I mean, it, it, of course, it's different with the grips and stuff. I mean, in, obviously in the gi, you can slow people down with the grips and stuff. But I've found that as an older practitioner, the leg locks are an equalizer. These younger, more athletic, super flexible, and guys are like half our age when we're going against stronger people, I mean, it is, and it's an equalizer if you can get in there. Yeah, if you have the knowledge and they don't. A lot of older practitioners are sort of afraid of the leg locking, but my opinion is the more knowledge you have, the more comfortable you will be with it. Not only in like defending, knowing when to tap. If you haven't had somebody teach you how a heel hook works, you may turn the wrong way and explode your own knee. The more knowledge you have, the better. Has there been a time that you considered quitting and why? Hmm. Wow. I can't remember a time where I, I said to myself, okay, that's it. I'm done. But my entire white belt for like the first year and a half, I got crushed every day, every day. And I just never gave up. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm stubborn like that. I just try to improve a little bit more every day and started defending better. And then over time, you get increase your defensive skills and now you can start attacking and being more offensive. And um, it's not until some brand new guy comes into your academy for a trial class and you roll with them and you can just like handle them like they're a baby. And it kind of doesn't matter like how big or how strong you are, right? <laughs> 
during that time during white and when you were struggling, did you have any encouraging words from others within the academy to say, hey, you know, or, or it's something to the effect of like, I recognize that you're getting crushed all the time. I recognize that you're, you know, struggling to stick with it, et cetera, et cetera. Did you reach out to your instructors and say, hey, man, I'm getting crushed all the time. I'm curious. Is this what it's supposed to be like? What do I need to do, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, in our academy, there's um, several guys that sort of took me under their wing. There's a black belt who at the time was a brown belt. And I modeled my game like his because we're like the same build. But this guy's a murderer. That's where I learned loop chokes from. It's arm bars. A lot of the moves that I learned that I do today are I learned from getting put in those things from him. Yeah, there, there's a few guys in our academy that try to be encouraging and teach me certain things things like, hey, I, I saw you uh, get submitted with this. Here's a, a way that you can protect yourself or defend better, things like that. So now I'm kind of um, passing that along to some of the newer white belts. I have a bias for the smaller, the weaker individuals and, and the ones that are struggling as well. And, and then I'll give them, you know, as much as I can, the edges, you know, and the hopefully the shortcuts. I don't know if there are any shortcuts, but you know what I mean? Every white belt needs help. I would be more sympathetic towards the older guys that come in because I'm old. Which was more emotional for you, blue or purple belt and why? Probably purple belt. Because, I mean, let's be real. At Blue Belt, you're still a beginner. You still suck. I mean, if you make it to purple, like, things are getting serious. We're... Yeah, it's a mid-level belt, but hey, we can see like the light at the end of the tunnel. If you didn't quit at blue belt, then you might as well just keep going. That's why I think getting promoted to purple was definitely more emotional and more satisfying. Like I made it this far. Do you think we should let lower belts win in training occasionally? I'm not going to let a white belt tap me on purpose, but maybe you give them a little extra space to see if they perform the correct movements or escapes. You're not going to necessarily completely smash a three-month white belt because they don't know anything. It would be pointless to just beat them up unless it's a 16-year-old wrestler that is a pain in my ass who is at our academy, which I love rolling with. He's amazing to roll with, but uh, yeah, I'm not taking it easy on that team. Some of these competitions that you've done are pretty serious competitions. Your preparation for these competitions, are you doing any special conditioning, additional rolling, or what does that look like, your prep for like a, what you would consider a serious competition? Admittedly, I don't do anything. I just go there and step out onto the mat and try my best. Even though you see me like, you know, traveling around everywhere and competing a lot and things like that, I still consider myself a hobbyist. I'm 51 years old, for Pete's sake. I have no uh, delusions that I'm going to be some like world nogi champion or like, like at the adult level. But it's fun to get out there and test your jujitsu and get some uh, fun rolls and maybe get some cool highlights lights and stuff like that but in terms of like preparation i don't do any type of training differently like in our academy we roll pretty hard anyways i might roll with more upper belts leading up to like a say like masters worlds or pans because they're going to give you better rolls or more challenging rules. One thing that I realize is that it's really difficult to go to a competition and compete and take photos at the same time. 
well, not at the same time, but in the same day when I won St. Louis Open is I didn't take any photos. All I did was focus on competing. I didn't even go to the venue until like an hour and a half before I was supposed to compete. I made sure I was like super rested. I was very mentally focused, got a good warm up, didn't have to worry about uh, taking photos or taking photos of clients, things like that. So that's all I had to worry about. It's sort of difficult because I want to do both. I want to compete, but I also want to take photos of the competition. So it's kind of a dilemma. One of my favorite photos, speaking of your competitions, and when you talk about your record and you don't think you'd have a winning record, you've got all these silver medals on, I believe it is. Oh, yeah. I just love this photo. (laughs) Yeah, that was my B team homage. If anybody is a silver king, it's me. (laughs) I should be running B team. (laughs) You mentioned all these camps and these travelings that you've done. Are there any that stand out, some that were your favorites? Additionally, which ones would you recommend? One of my favorite ones was the Globetrotters Caribbean camp. It was just beautiful. You're on an island. We trained all day. We went to a different beach around St. Bart every day, ate great food, had a great time, made some great friends. So that was probably my favorite. I mean, anybody looking to try a camp, I would recommend Globetrotters. I mean, they're the OGs of camps. If you've noticed, like literally everybody is running camps now. Hero retreats, I mean, like everybody. There's, you know, jujitsu cruises. But, you know, Christian and the Globetrotters, they were, I actually don't know this for a fact, but just for the fact that they've been around so long, I think it's been doing it at least 10 years. So, I mean, they have to be the OGs. And everybody tries to model their camps after Globetrotters and Christian's just been in the game too long. He has it down pat. Every camp is run meticulously. It's all about having fun. It's not about who beats who or what belt you are. Like nobody cares about that. Stuff. So I, w- I would definitely recommend uh, the Globetrotters camps to anybody looking to travel for jujitsu, meet new people in jujitsu. So that's a pretty good choice. So, John, where can we get more information about you and everything that you're up to? I'm most active on Instagram. My handle is at JITSPIX, J-I-T-Z-P-I-X. I am working on a website gallery where competitors can go and buy photos of their competition matches and things like that. However, I've been pretty lazy about it. And I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm kind of like anal about like the quality of my photos. It takes a while for these photos to show up because like I want them to look awesome. I'm not just going to export them from, you know, my camera and throw them up on a website. Eventually I will get that going. I do have some stuff up on my gallery. The URL is gallery.jitspix.com. We will add the links in the show notes to all those things. And uh, and for you guys to check out John's work, I highly recommend it again. I'm curious if you've got anything else coming up in terms of like travels and uh, competitions or anything you got planned. I will be at like a competition or a seminar or a camp almost every weekend for like the next two or three months. And also I signed up for the Costa Rica camp, the Silver Fox Costa Rica. And I will probably be back in the Austin area from Christmas to New Year's, like in that time frame. So I'll be visiting a lot of gyms uh, when I'm down there. Last time I was down there, as soon as I got to Austin, I got like deathly sick. It was 
wasn't COVID. It was, it was like the regular flu or something. And I was laying up in an Airbnb for five days straight, just laying in bed. And uh, so I didn't get to visit as many gyms as I wanted to, but I was able to stop at, go and train at B-Team, at Six Blaze HQ. Um, I also visited Brazilian Fight Factory, where the Tackett Brothers train. And I also visited Victor Hugo and Steve Hargett's Six Blades Academy in Lake Travis. And uh, I'll be able to visit maybe 10 Planet uh, Austin and uh, Paragon, some of the other academies that I didn't get to visit the last time around. So everyone, again, I am Adolfo Ferranda, your host, Forever White Belt. Thanks again for another week. Like, subscribe at all the places. Thank you so much, everyone. Consider joining our VIP, too. It really helps us out. It's only a dollar a month, for goodness sake. Come on. No ads and extra stuff, too. John, thank you so much for making the time, man. It was, it was a real pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Adolfo. All right. See you guys. Thanks so much.